Erev Tov, we are in the introduction of Rabbi Chaim David Halevi to his book, Mekor Chaim. And we're using this as an introduction to Agadata. Rabbi Chaim David Halevi was talking to us about the four generations in which Agadah will eventually become the most important to bring back the children of Israel, the lost children of Israel, to observance of Halakha. We now begin on page 13, and the PDF is found attached to the Zoom document or in the classwork section of whichever Google Classroom you're in, you're going to look for Rabbi Chaim David Halavi introductions. In the year 5,679, or that's about 1918-1919, Aliti Lebetosh Kuk, Professor Mursky says, I went up to the home of Rav Kook. And this was at the beginning when he was just appointed the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. By the way, there was a lot of controversy when Rav Kook became chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. There were many people who claimed he wasn't the chief rabbi. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld is the rabbi. There's a famous letter, I believe. I believe the letter is from Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank. In which he writes... It's a lie that Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld is the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. Everyone here knows that aside from a small group of Kanaim, of zealots, all of us have accepted Harav Kuk as our chief rabbi. We started talking about different things. And he spoke about another locked door, which he was hoping to unlock. And that is a locked door, which is found between the world of Halakha and the world of Agada. You know sometimes you take a hotel room, and in the hotel room there's a door that goes to the suite next door. And if you pay enough money for two rooms, they unlock the door for you. You can go in between the rooms. But if you only take one room, that door looks like you should be able to walk through it, but you can't, it's locked. Harav Kuk told Professor Mirsky that he wishes to unlock that locked door, that connection between Halakha and Agadah. I asked him, If Harav Kuk is really correct in his opinion, in his reading of the text, that Halakha and Agadah are... Uh, um, Smudot are English, help me. Are conjoined, are together. Remember, he calls them the twin sisters of Halakha and Agada. Adjacent. Adjacent to each other. Very good. It's a good word. If, Harav Kuk, you're correct that Halakha and Agada are two sides of the same coin. Then how do you explain the kushya, the question of the Bach, the Bet Chadash? Who wrote the Bet Chadash? Rabbi? There's on the two, two main commentaries, the Bet Yosef and the Bet Chadash. Bet Chadash was written by Rabbi Yoel Sirkis, was one of the great rabbis of Ashkenaz. How does Rav Kook explain the question the Bach has on the two? In the beginning of the laws of Sukkah. Why did Rav Kook write the 
Why does the tool, in the beginning of the laws of Sukkah, why does he stray from talking about Halakha? He strays to talking about Agadah. Why? Why does he get distracted, says the Bach? Meaning, if you're right, that Halakha and Agadah belong together, then why was the Bach so upset when he sees that the tool deviates from the conversation of Halakha to the conversation of Agadah? He wants an answer. Rav Kuk responded to me, Omnam ken, it's right. Nifredot ha-halakha ve-hagada ba-anafahen, avalhen mu-chadot b-shorashahen. Halakha and agada are separate in their branches, but in their roots they come from the same place. Like a tree. You have a tree. At the bottom of the tree it's one trunk, but then as the tree grows, it branches out in different areas. Halakha and agada, when it comes to the branches, are completely different disciplines. But the root or the source of Halakha and agada is the very same. When Avchuk clearly realized that there's more that needs to be said, Ve'od Amarli, he also added to me, Klum makshe maran ha-bet Yosef kushya men zoa latur. Professor Mirsky, why didn't the Bet Yosef maran? Why didn't maran ask the question on the tool? Why the Bach had asked the question? Some 250 years ago, 300 years ago. Why the Bach? Why not Maran? I mean, if it's such a good question, if, if Halakha and Agadah don't belong together, Maran should have asked this question. <laughs> Professor Mirsky says, I reached the depth of his question. Only the Bach who lived in exile, outside of Israel, only someone who lives outside of Israel can ask the kind of question the Bach asks. Not the Bet Yosef, Maran. He lives in Eretz Israel. Now obviously don't get distracted. It's the way of the students of Arav Kuk. To everything has to do with Israel and outside of Israel. Everything in the world is divided on those two lines. But the, the answer here that Rav Kuk was giving was someone who lives outside of Israel and is used to the Torah being compartmentalized will feel, wow, why are we mixing here Kodesh and Chol? Why are we mixing Agadah and Halakha together? But somebody who's in Eretz Yisrael, someone who realizes that the Torah is holistic, the Torah is wholesome, the Torah includes everything inside of it, Maran wasn't phased by this deviation because it wasn't a deviation. How much can be said about the difference between the Jews of Eretz Israel and the Jews outside of Eretz Israel? By the way, you should know, we have also ma'alot. Don't hate yourself because you live outside of Israel. The communities outside of Israel have unique character traits the Jews in Eretz Israel don't yet have. But when it comes to the wholesomeness of Judaism, I have a dear friend, it's Tamich Acham. They once said, you know, when he moved to Israel, they asked him what he misses about Israel. He said, oh, I miss chocolate bars, ice cream, certain kinds of things he missed. When he left Israel back to America, they asked him, what do you miss? He said, I miss Talmidei Chachamim. That's what I miss. It's a real feeling. In Eretz Israel, everywhere you go, you may not like this stripe or this type, or this, but Talmidei Chachamim are everywhere. Here in Chutz Aretz, we have a plague. Makam uh, Halachet. We have uh, a lot of people who look like Talmidei Chachamim, but that's pretty much where the comparison ends. In Eretz Israel, the Torah makes sense. 
It makes sense that things should flow into each other. It makes sense that halakha and agadah should be fused together into something that doesn't contradict each other. It makes sense when you realize that the deviations are not really deviations. The words of Torah are richer when they're read in context of other parts of Torah. We have been given in some way, says Rabbi Chaim David Halavi, the medicine, the cure for the sickness of our generation. And the solution is, in the words of Rav Kook, it's unlocking the locked door between the world of Halakha and the world of Agadah. And this, this is the goal that I've placed before me when I wrote this book. Fusing Halakha which is the, the, the secret, the essence of the nation, which is the illuminating light of the Torah. And how great is the strength of Agadah to soften, to soften, to make gentle the heart of man. To drag a person towards the flames of Torah with a burning passion. You'll drink the foamy grapes. These are the agadot which attract a person's heart like wine attracts a person. Oh, or, These are agadot which are, every person can understand agadot. In the genuine agadot of our rabbis, meaning there's room here, and we'll talk about this next week, there's room, like Rav Uziel before I spoke about the Rambam, Rabbi Abraham spoke before us, there are agadot that just don't make the cut. But the Agadot that made the cut, Hinanu Motsi'im et kol yisodot Torah ve'emunat kochenu. We find all of the foundations of our faith. B'midash azuchim anu lehavinan. An assumption that we are able to understand those Agadot. V'ayen barambam ba'agdamato leperik chelek. And look in the Rambam's introduction, which we've done together here already. His introduction to perik chelek and Sanhedrin, in which he discusses that not all Agadot are meant to be understood literally, if you remember that part. Muvaim besignon kalum lavev. They're, what are you, lahabia? You are, they're, they're expressed in a very light and heartwarming fashion. Uvelahat shel shira kosemet umoshechet. And with a flaming passion of song that is magical and attractive. Umikan chashivutan shel hagadot shemekadshim shemosh hagadosh bachumehem. Bahim. And that is the importance of agada, which sanctify Hashem's name in them. Halakha and Agadah need each other. Halakha is the foundation of Jewish life and Agadah is the soul of that Jewish life. And it's our task, if we wish to heal the ailments of Jewish society today, to unlock that door, to break down the barriers between those two worlds. Yesod Hashita, the foundation of this approach, 
ברור לחלוטין, it's very clear, abundantly clear. על האמצעים והדרך הנאותה להשיגה יכולות להיות שיטות, שיטות שונות ומגוונות. We all understand the need, we all understand the goal, but how to reach that goal, meaning how to fuse halakha and agada appropriately, how to break down that wall, says Rabbi Chaim David Halavi, there are many roads, there are many avenues, there are many approaches, they're not all the same. Not all the strategies are the same, but the goal is the same. לינירב, to me it appears, שהדרך הפשוטה היא החדירה לעומק. That the simplest way is to penetrate the depths. לשורשיה של כל הלכה עד המקרא. To reach every הלכה until its origin in the Torah. Don't start הלכה על השולחן ערוך. Start הלכה back where הקדוש ברוך הוא gave it us. ומשם לחפש את עורכי היניקה המשותפים בשורשים בש... להלכה ולהגדה. And at the root, because we said the branches are divided, but the roots are the same. When you can penetrate the depths of halakha, there you will discover the roots of the Agadah that are connected to those halakhot. You're not going to find it on the surface. When you're looking at the branches of the tree, you can't notice the roots that are united together by the trunk. You have to penetrate deep to find the life source, the common denominator between halakha and Agadah. לרוב ההלכות, in most of the halachot, קל למצוא את מקור היניקה המשותף. In most of the halachot, it's easy to find that common source. אך קשה לעקוב אחריהן בדרך מהלכן והסתעפותן, התפתחותן והתרחבותן, but it's more difficult to trace as halacha evolves, and as agada evolves, it's harder to trace how similar they are when they begin to branch out. באשר הן מפלסות להן נתיב עצמאי ההולך ומתרחק לעיתים מרחק רב מאוד מאותו עולם רך וענוג שאגדה שמו. Sometimes the אגדה and the הלכה are so beautiful at their root, but as the הלכה extends and extends, it becomes more rigid and more solidified. The אגדה, on the other hand, still remains genuine, soft, malleable, and didn't mean genuine, it meant gentle. Gentle, soft, malleable. It didn't become hardened like halakha became ruled into law. And therefore, once halakha becomes so hard, it's hard to reconcile agada with halakha. By the way, I believe that in general, that's a lot of the struggle that people have, one, with halakha, and two, understanding the reasoning behind halakha. Halakha sometimes comes off as rigid. It's a legal system. It's a code. There are laws, there are rules. It doesn't seem so spiritual. I'm using that word borrowed from Western context, not Jewish context. It's hard. But what's harder sometimes is when you look at the source of the Torah, you look at the source of the Agadah, and you realize, wow, it was so beautiful here. And then how did it manifest itself into something so rigid in reality? There's certain halachot, you read the Midrashim, and the, wow, that sounds so beautiful. But then when it comes to executing those halakhot, no pun intended on the word execution, you start to wonder if these two things really have anything to do with each other. Halakha becomes hardened by its nature. It becomes solidified by its nature. Whereas Agadah, Agadah remains this free-flowing form that continues forward, but it's much harder to trace the connection, the parallels between Halakha and Agadah when they begin to evolve. Al Havoda Asher Nasta, regarding the work which has been done, 
בפרשנות הבאה לתאם את עולם ההלכה הנוקשה עם עולם האגדה החם והרגיש, יעמוד הקורא בעצמו. Whether or not I have lived up to your expectations, says Rabbi Chaim David Halevi, of doing a good enough job of fusing those two world, worlds, the reader will be the one to pass judgment. יתר על כן, furthermore, ההלכה עצמה ניתנת בחיבור זה, the halakha itself is given in this book, לא במסגרת וסגנון כפו, כפי שחוק מטבעו מחייב. I don't present halakha in this work, says Rabbi Chaim David Halevi, as a rigid, hard block, as its nature would suggest it should be taught. נעשתה התאמצות מתאימה. I have excessively put energy into this. שהקורא ירגיש את משב הרוח הרעננה ונעימה הנושבת מעולמות נסתרים ונעלמים של האגדה גם בהתעסקותו בעולם המעשה של המציאות ההלכתית. I've tried to make sure that he who is involved in my book studying the hard, difficult, rigid halachot will still feel the breeze of the world of Agada while they're toiling over those works of Halakha. Sometimes I do get frustrated. I shared this before. How do pieces like this Torah, what we're talking about right now, how do they become like an even that's a stone that nobody cares to overturn? How many times are you going to translate certain books over and over and over into English? Maybe if we give it a better translation, people will like it more. It's better than the old translation, which is better than the older translation. Maybe that book just wasn't meant to be translated into English. How many of these books that pump life back into Am Yisrael, back into Torah Yisrael, how many of them have ever seen, forget the light of day in English, the light of day in Hebrew? Where is Am Yisrael? When are they going to wake up? Which other book of Halakha has an introduction this emotional? I have not held back any amount of effort. When copying over the writings of our early sages, when it was necessary to soften, even just a little bit, the stubbornness, the, rigid, rigid, the rigidness of Halakha. I went out of my way, says Rebichem David Halavi, to search in Haggadah for the breeze that would make the experience of Halakha that much more calming, that much more soft, that much more pure and gentle. B'derekha, most of the time, hetku divrei l'shon hazahav shel rabbenu me'orenu harambam. Most of the time, says Rebichem David Halavi, I just copied over the exact language of our Rabbi, our light, the Rambam. V'zod mishte sibot, that's for two reasons. Harishona, the first one, mipnei sh'arambam hishtadel ba'atzmo. The Rambam himself tried, b'sifro hayad ha'chazaka in his own Mishneh Torah, l'chotvo b'ruach melavevet v'neima. The Rambam himself tried writing his Mishneh Torah in a very heartwarming, very, very pleasant language. The Rambam himself, writing the Mishneh Torah, already brought a lot of beauty to the world of Halakha. He managed to take something so block, so, so square, and turn it into something so pleasant in his Mishneh Torah. I don't know 
I don't know if people can appreciate the Mishnah Torah properly unless they've studied extensively other works of Halakha, including Maran Shulchanot. The Rambam's Mishnah Torah is a work, one of, its, one of a kind. Not just one of a kind in terms of content, but in terms of the, the style. The elegant simplicity of the Mishnah Torah. It doesn't lose its elegance because of its simplicity. And it doesn't compromise on its simplicity because the Rambam chooses to be so elegant and eloquent. Ushniyan, the second reason why I quote the Rambam often, the Rambam attempted wherever possible The Rambam attempted as often as possible to give reasons for halachot, logical reasons, so you can understand them logically. And I remember the words of my rabbi and my teacher, Harav Uziel of blessed memory. So previous pages told my rabbi and my teacher, Rav Kook. Now he's telling you, my rabbi, my teacher, Harav Uziel. Who always motivated us to study, encourage us, study the Rambam, study the Rambam. When the Uziel would tell us why, he would say the following words, quote, In the words of the Rambam, You will find all of the taste in Torah. Maybe even better translation, all of the reason for the Torah. The Rambam's work is one of a kind. Udvar Adonai b'fiv emet, and the word of Hashem in his mouth was true. Somebody who really analyzes, who's used to analyzing the words of the Rambam, will realize how true Harabu Ziel's analysis of the Rambam is. Rabbi Chaim David Halavi left behind a book, Baruch Hashem, I have a copy of three volumes. Called Devar HaMishpat, The Word of Judgment. It's a three-volume commentary on the Rambam's laws of Sanhedrin. How a rabbinic court, a supreme court, how it should look, how it must act, all the sources of the Rambam, a commentary so extensive and so beautiful and so practical. I can imagine if Rabbi Chaim David Halavi did that for one section of the Rambam, what he could have done for us on the whole Rambam had he been given that opportunity. We're on page 14 in Rabbi Chaim David Halavi's introduction. Be'agada, when I use the word Agada, I use it in the broadest sense of the word possible. Meaning, it doesn't just include one very generic brand of Agadah, but listen. I begin considering Agadah, the stories in the Torah itself, the ethics found in the Torah itself, Psukim. Actual verses in the Torah are already the beginning of Agadah. He's going to elaborate on this next week. Which came to encourage the people to observe mitzvot. There are so many mitzvot which are adjacent to the mitzvah is a reason. Not a reason to the why we do the mitzvah, but to motivate people to do this mitzvah because. Agadot ha-talmud ha-midrashim. The Agadot found both in the Talmudim and the Midrashim. Safrut ha-machshava ha-datit. The writing of religious thinkers. 
והפרשנות and the commentators בימי הביניים in the medieval times, middle ages. טעמי מצוות, the reasons of מצוות וכולי, etc. כל מה שאפשר לכלול במה שאמרו רבותינו אגדה, anything we can include in what the, our rabbis refer to as אגדה, מאירה את העיניים ומשמחת את הלב ומבין בענייני תורה, there's a quote from the Midrash in Bereshit, it lightens one's eyes, it gladdens one's heart, and you are able to understand the matters of Torah through this lens of Agadah. This next piece is a deviation from Agadah. We're going to just discuss for a moment Rabbi Chaim David Halavi's methodology when it comes to writing a book of Halakha. So he's explained to us a little of Agadah. He's going to get back into Agadah, but for right now, we're dealing with his approach to halakha. Regarding the halakhic portion of this book, the way to be posek halakhot, all the rules of how you rule between a biblical commandment and a rabbinic commandment and a custom and a mitzvah ta'aseh, mitzvah lo ta'aseh, between maran and the different languages of maran, yesh omrim v'yesh omrim, stam v'yesh omrim, all of these opinions, we already know them. V'im kol zeh, nonetheless, halo yadua gama koshi shemachra'a, even though the rules are clear, we also know how difficult it is. I spoke in my class this week in the United Kingdom, the importance of being a posek, to know how to decide between opinions. That's very difficult. Because in certain halachot, there are excessive amounts of opinions. And we don't know how to differentiate between them. And sometimes, there were times where even we have to rule against Maran, says Rabbi We deliberated greatly regarding how we should write the part of this book, which is Halakha. By the way, it's a very normal thing for Tamlech Hamim to speak about themselves in third person. We, us. Do we really want to drag the reader into the complicated and technical world of halakha, to walk him through all of the conversation, all of the del- deliberation between opinions until we reach the final ruling, to spread before him all of the sources, do we really wish to quote every one of the Rishonim and the Chawanim, the early and later rabbis that reached the broadest this conclusion, sorry, do we really want for each halacha to walk someone through and explain why we reached this conclusion? At the end of the day, we decided not to walk in this path. For two reasons. The first, there is no practical need for a work that has this type of deliberation in it. For the Torah scholars, that the Torah is their whole life, they spend their whole life studying Torah. All of the sources in Halakha are open to them. They can always look up Halakhot. Whether you begin with Maran's Bet Yosef or up until the books today, which are all kinds of collections of halachot and opinions, we have many books like that. 
and to the general public, the masses of the Jewish people, which I wrote this book for them, who wish to know which path they should walk on, which road they should take, the actions they should take. Page 15. They have no need to sit on every halacha and give all of the background information for it. That is the way that all of the authors of halachic works acted in their whole life. This was intention. Maran Shuchan Aruch was meant to be a version of the Bet Yosef that everybody could read. So Maran says he writes his Shuchan Aruch for children, for the unlearned, for those who, who can't handle the rigor of the Bet Yosef. The Shuchan Aruch is written for regular people, young people, students in school. Up until the last rabbis who wrote all the abridged works of halakha. And in any book like that, when we wish to discuss the process, the evolution of halakha, this is done in a different context, in a different book. So the first reason, nobody needs it. Tamil Chamim don't need it, they know how to learn this on their own. The Hamone Ha'am, the regular Jew, doesn't need it because they just want to know what to do. And even those books that wrote those kind of things separated them from the actual work of Halakha. Like Maran has a Bet Yosef with all this deliberation. And he has a Shulchan Aruch with just what you need to do or not do. Vashniyah, the second reason. Mipnei Chashash HaGadol, because of the great fear. That maybe, maybe this thing would have damaged the purpose of this book. The whole purpose of this book is to serve to the Jewish people the word of Hashem. I wish to present Halakha to the masses when it's explained and viewed through the lens of Agada. And if I were to start deliberating, in all the sources of halakha, then it would distract. And it would detract from the purpose of this work. And therefore, in bold words, on page 15, All of the deliberations the author has done without involving the reader. And before him, before the reader, I have delivered a sealed package of practical halachot. In every place I still put a number and give you the source for that halacha. Of course I didn't write every place where the halacha was mentioned. Not even some of the places. Because the intention of this book was not to collect footnotes. Sometimes I mention the Talmudic origin. Sometimes I tell you where it's mentioned in Halakha. Sometimes And in more rare instances, I tell you which other rabbis mentioned this Halakha. And the reason why sometimes I'll mention a later day source as opposed to an earlier source 
is because that later source has an extra detail or an extra reason or something else that you might want to look up and find. Or it says for any other reason. I've given you one source for every halakha, but not necessarily an exhaustive list of sources. In some instances, Sometimes in the footnotes, I elaborate a little more on the point of halakha, and when you see those footnotes, you'll understand why I had to do those things. I am doubtful. If Rav Kook said that the ailment, the healing of the ailment of society is to unlock the door between Halakha and Agadah, I am doubtful, says Rabbi Chaim David Halavi, if I even possess the key to unlock it. If I've even found that key. And I at least though trust that I have brought these two worlds just a little bit closer to the point where someone who's involved in Hadakha and this work, he feels in his experiences. That the person who's walking on the rigid path of halakha will feel the padding, the comfort, the, the gentleness, the pleasantness of agada while they're walking in halakha. At least that I've accomplished. That's It's without doubt. That learning in this spirit that this will bring people to love halakha and those who are involved in it will begin to involve themselves more in halakha. Until many people will choose to begin to blaze trails and expand the existing roads of halakha. And then before them will be opened that locked door. To the the uh, very sophisticated and branched out world of halakha. So, if someone learns Agadah properly in my work, says it will naturally attract them to the study of halakha, which previously they weren't interested in. And these people will be involved in halakha with such love and passion. And listen to the sentence. And they will come to discover this stable world of halakha. Stable, yitziva, balanced, stable. Unlike Agadah, which sometimes you're on fire, and sometimes you're low, and sometimes you're inspired, and sometimes you're not. Halakha is stable. It gives you stability, it anchors you, it grounds you in the world. This is my goal is to give those who don't study halakha, but through Agadah I will draw them into the world of halakha. Halakha which with its outstretched arms embraces all of life. And then they will finally be revealed to them the beauty of halakha in all of its splendor. And all of its light. 
יכירו וידעו במה טמון סוד קיומו של עם ישראל, they will realize that this is where the secret of the Jewish people's existence lays, וכל אותם הבנים שהם קירויים ומפוזרים בנפשותם, I believe he's paraphrasing Rav Kook from before, and all of those children of Israel who are torn, who are scattered, who are, who are divided inside between Judaism and not, ישובו לאהבת התורה. They'll return to the love of Torah. To love the laws of Hashem and His commandments with love, uh, with truth, and with faith. And through this, through people discovering the beauty of Halakha, through the attractive lens of Agadah, is when finally the Jewish soul will begin to be united and the Jewish people will be able to successfully rebuild itself as a nation. This is the purpose of my book. Whether I have succeeded in reaching that goal or even part of that goal, you, the reader, will decide whether or not I have accomplished that goal, even, even not completely. But I am testifying about myself. My whole intention was only this. To, to obtain with my limited power to reach this lofty and noble endeavor to this is a beautiful word right? is the verb of to make beloved is, is there a word in English? I don't know there's a word like that in English in Hebrew Arab Peretz always tells me that the chief rabbinate of Israel had an opportunity once upon a time in its history. The goal would have been to make Judaism loved by the masses of Israel. But that word, to make loved, I, I don't know that there's an English version of it. To endear, that's the word you would use in this context. To endear halakha on the masses. To make people realize that it's a beautiful thing. It's not that scary thing they've stayed away from. It's not that rigid, difficult, obnoxious thing they always avoided. Halakha is not just beautiful, but it's all-encompassing. It covers your whole life from the moment you wake up till you go to sleep, from the way you get married, chas v'shalom, to 120 years, the way people get buried, to the way people celebrate holidays, to the way people deal with their children and their spouses. Halakha is everywhere. It's unavoidable for a Jewish person. People have tried to avoid it because they have a misunderstanding of halakha. I'm trying to fix that flaw. I'm trying to fix the flaw that Rav Kuk mentioned. That there are Jews who love Hashem. There are Jews who love Torah. What has kept them away from observance is in the words of Rav Peretz, it's Yahadut Ma'ayemet. It's a threatening religiosity. It's a threatening observance. It's, I love Hashem. I love Bera Knesset. I want to be part of this people. I want to do Shabbat dinners. I want to put up a sukkah. I want to light Hanukkah candles. I don't want you to start policing my day-to-day -day life. I don't want to deal with the halakhot that are, are threatening to drown me in my very own existence. Peretz always told us, the reason people leave Judaism is not because they hate Judaism. It's because they feel that Judaism hates them. They feel stifled. They feel threatened. Their whole way of life, their personality, the only thing that makes them unique it's going to be crushed by the world of Halakha. Rabbi Chaim David Halavi says it's our job now 
to heal the hearts of those who have left, not by getting rid of halakha, but by showing halakha in its context, through the lens of Agadah, the context of Agadah, le'aden, to soften. You know when you put in fabric softener in your laundry? It's meant to make the, the fabric a little softer. Softer. Today, I've been, I've been in Israel the whole week, virtually. We have a Kenneth Rabbanim now in Israel. I spend the whole morning studying with a, a bunch of rabbis in Hebrew. And in this whole week, I've been learning and Rabbi Chaim David Halavi and Rabbi Masaz and all in Hebrew. So my English uh, is uh, temporarily on hold. When you make things soft, the word Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, pleasure. You make something which is otherwise not pleasurable, you make it attractive. It's not a marketing gimmick. It's not like, hey, we'll bring you in, and then guess what? Now you're stuck. That's not the purpose. The purpose is not to seduce you. That's not the word. The purpose is to attract you to a more gentle, more kind version of halakha than what is usually peddled in the world. It's a difference. Many Jewish groups in the world are missionaries. Their job is to draw you in, get you in so deep, and you're so blind by the time you find out that the world you just joined is maybe even worse than the world you left. If it's corruption, if it's evil, if it's Lashon Hara, if it's societal bullying, whatever might be the problem. If it's an oppressive way of life, religious authorities that are, are, uh, abuse their authority. But you're too deep now. You gave up all your friends and your family and your life and you moved and you spent money. And what are you going to do now? Throw it all away. You already raised your kids in that world. Are you going to tell them all now that you think it's a lie? You're going to give your kids a, a midlife crisis? That's not the purpose, like Bechayim Debinadi says. The purpose is the opposite. To repair the world of Halakha with Agadah. That those who have taught Halakha, divorced from its context, are the ones who have done a disservice to the Jewish people. And it's our job to finally, when we say fuse, it doesn't mean to change halakha in terms of its core, but to soften halakha. To make halakha something that is not just palatable, but something that's desirable. People will see a type of halakha that, hey, I can get behind that. That's a value that I share. And today I spoke with a big Tamil Chacham in Yerushalayim who wrote an article. I, I hope somebody will translate it in the coming weeks. about what really was that Sephardic approach to halakha. What is the common denominator in Sephardic halakha? People have all kinds of fantastical ideas. Oh, rabbis were always lenient. They always were looking for the easy way out. And, and, and that might be true sometimes. But look, even Tamidei Chamim, like Rabbi Yosef Masas, who we know to be magnificently lenient in some places, comes time where other rabbis who were more, more conservative than he were lenient, and Rabbi Yosef Masas rejected those leniencies. Not for his time. Not for his place. Not in his community that wasn't going to happen. Another way around. For every Sephardic rabbi you find that is lenient, you can find ten of them that were the exact opposite. Let's be honest. The reason we talk so much about Rabbi Yosef Masaz or Rabbi Uziel and Rabbi Yosef is because they were special people. They, they weren't the rule. They were the exception to a rule. So what was the rule? This Tamich Ham suggested the rule was the ability to be posek halachot independently in a unique way, to be able, I'm in a community now, I know what my community needs, 
I don't care what a rabbi next door is going to say. I don't care what a rabbi in another country is going to say. I don't care about this slippery slope argument. I'm here to make sure that this Jewish community survives until the next Tamil Chacham who will replace me. Whatever it takes. And that's why sometimes Chachmei Svarad, when they wrote answers to people that, well, how did you say you could do that in Yom Tov? And they didn't give reasons. Why? The reason wasn't relevant. Like I said to my shiur in the UK, Rav Uziel writes, I'm not ruling these halachot forever. I'm ruling the halachot for my place, for my time, for my community. The next Tamik Chacham who carries the baton will have to analyze and say, hey, maybe it's not fitting anymore. Maybe the spirits of the generation have changed. What Chachmei Svarad had in common was not just their ability to not be rigid, but their ability to innovate without fear what other people were going to say about them. And that's the common denominator. It's not about an approach, it's not about a style. That was the style. The style was to be, if I could use a word, it was a very organic type of psikat halakha. These are my people. What do you want from me? I'm not dealing with rabbis in Yerushalayim. I'm not dealing with people in Los Angeles. I'm dealing with my people here. They're capable of doing things other communities can't do. We can live to a higher standard in one place. In other things, we don't feel the need to worry about it so much. It's not a problem. Those societal norms didn't creep into our community. Every time Chacham in every place had this freedom to preserve their community the way they best saw fit. And what Bichayim David Halavi is trying to give the reader is a glimpse into that world of halakha which is flexible. That world of halakha which is not going to break you. It's not trying to break you. It's not trying to destroy you. I wish to endear the halakha on the masses of the Jewish people. To return the hearts of the children, not to their parents, but to their father, to their parent in heaven. And Hashem will see my heart was pure. Whether I accomplished my goal or not, you'll decide. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that what I did was done Hashem Shabbat. And my prayer to him, on page 16, that my words that came from the innermost depths of my heart, will enter the heart of the readers. And they will return to the love of Torah and Halakha. And that should be my greatest reward. To see that my book will inspire Jews to reconsider, to not abandon their Judaism, but to maybe reconsider taking up halakha, learning Torah more. We don't have time today to get into the next section, which we'll do next week, Bezat Hashem. Uh, next week we have, uh, maybe we'll be in Yerushalayim already, but uh, it might be two weeks if Tisha B'Av unfortunately takes place. But Rabbi Chaim David Levi's hope, we've identified the problem of why people run. The solution is not where other people think it is. It's not by gimmicks. It's not by, you know, I, I don't know, uh, beer and chumash or uh, sushi and, uh, I don't know, mamare chazar and uh, basketball while learning Gemara. It's not about uh, surfing rabbis and boxing rabbis and uh, running, I don't know, whatever things. It's not the gimmicks. The people are not looking for gimmicks. They didn't run away 
because they were superficial. They ran away, give them, give them the validity that the reason why they left was a deep reason. The reason why Jews leave Torah is because Torah has been taught in such a way that the natural reaction is repulsion and leaving. And those of you who didn't leave, it's because you've been blessed with people who you've clearly, or your experiences that you've created for yourself are positive ones. Rabbi Chaim David Halevi says, the solution is, how do we bring back Jews who care about Agadah, meaning they care about the spirit of Judaism. They care about the beauty of Judaism. They identify as Jews proudly. They believe in HaKadosh Baruch proudly. Ask them to drive on Shabbat, they will. Ask them to curse HaKadosh Baruch not over their dead body. So what's missing here? It's not Judaism. What's missing here is the understanding that halakha is just as beautiful as your Jewish pride. That observance of mitzvot is just as magnificent as your love of Judaism and Torah and Hashem in your community. That's what's missing. To unlock that door that divides Agadah, the beautiful theoretical Judaism, with halakha, which is used to be the practical, rigid Judaism. To remove the threat, to create attraction by softening halakha. And by that, allowing the Jewish people whose hearts are torn to not have to be torn anymore. To not have to make the painful decision between, is it Judaism or is it myself? Is it my religious health or my emotional well-being? You won't have to make those choices anymore if the type of Judaism that is being offered handles both of those beautifully. It gives you yourself. It gives you your own emotional well-being. It gives you sanity and balance while grounding you in a world of halakha that is thousands and thousands of years old, given to us by Moshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai, by the mouth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bezad Hashem may it also be our reward if by learning Torah like this, this will reach our shi'u, our kila, both local and extended, ourselves and the whole world, to a place where we see the beauty of Agadah and therefore see also the beauty in the world of Halakha. Bizarre the ship.